Welcome to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. This program is designed to inspire you to stand on the Word of God and to help you build unshakable and unstoppable faith in Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Dr. Kazumba. Welcome to Unstoppable Faith. This is Dr. Kazumba Charles. I pray that the Lord is with you and the Lord is, uh, you know, watching over you and His praises and His glory shining over your life. We just want to welcome our new viewers on Life TV there in Africa. Life TV on Decoder, Topster Decoder, Channel 11. As well, you can find us on DSTV as well as we bring you Unstoppable Faith. Our goal and our heart and our desire is that you be unstoppable for Jesus Christ and you don't let no circumstances, sicknesses or diseases or anything that we encounter here on earth to stop you living for Jesus Christ. We continue our discussion with a great woman of God, national speaker and author, best-selling author, Susie Lasson. She's going to be joining me right now on Unstoppable Faith as we continue our discussion on Prepare Him Room. She has just released a very powerful devotional book and uh, that's what we'll be discussing from. Let me just welcome my guest uh, right away, right from the start as we look at this topic. Uh, Susie, welcome on Unstoppable Faith. Thank you for having me back, Dr. Kazumba. I sure appreciate your ministry. I had no option but to bring you back. (laughs) Just uh, each time I sit down with you, we do this program, you bring a lot to the table, you bring a lot in the lives of the people, and I say that we needed to bring you back, and I'm so glad you made some time for us, so thank you so very much, woman of God. Honored to be here, thank you. So we're going to continue as we continue our topic, prepare him room in this, uh, you know, Christmas uh, season. Uh, I, I want to go back to your book, first of all, uh, in, in that devotion on day six, you, you, you title the reading, The Kingdom is Yours. Say more about that particular devotional. You know, we touched on it in the first show a little bit, but that one is the chapter where Jesus gives us the Beatitudes, where he really turns an upside-down kingdom right side up. Because really, before Jesus came, ego was king. You know, really, it was pride and arrogance and posturing and position. That was, those were considered virtues. And so Jesus coming the way that he did and really coming in, in, the, in John, I want to say, where is it? Um, oh, my goodness. John 4, maybe. There's a passage where it says, because he knew that he'd come from God and would return to God, Jesus got up from the table and put the servant's apron on. In other words, because he knew that he came from God and was returning to God, the savior of the world, the king of the universe could do what a lowly servant would have done. And I remember as a young mom sitting in a laundromat because my dryer and washer were broken, reading that and the Lord whispering to my heart, you know, when you follow Christ, you're not too big for small things and you're not too small for big things. And when I look at Jesus in the gospel, of Luke. He was turning the world on its heel and he was saying, blessed are you 
who mourn, for you will be comforted. You know, woe to you who are laughing now. And I, in the in the book, I kind of said, pictures these people that are around a table. They're overfed, overindulged, and they're laughing at other people's expense, and they're totally um, kind of gluttonous in their consumption while others are struggling. That 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 day of just overconsumption and corruption and that kind of thing, that's coming to a close. That's coming to an end. But those who are suffering now, those who are feeling overlooked by the world, Jesus sees you. And there is a day coming. In fact, the Bible says all of creation groans for the day when God reveals who his children really are. So we have to remember that our time on earth is short. Life on earth is short. Eternity is long. And this is our only opportunity for faith. Because one day our faith will become sight. We'll see him and we'll see him face to face and we'll be like him. But in the meantime, when things feel upside down, when things feel unfair, when it seems like the wicked get away with everything and you can't get a break for anything, remember Jesus is happy to be envied. Soul prosperous are you because I see you. And as you trust me in this place, there's going to be a day I turn it all around and you're going to know a feasting and a joy like you've never known before. And I, I mean, I, we have to fix our eyes on the idea that that day is coming. Wow, that, that is such, just powerful there. It brings me uh, to your devotion on day seven in your, of your book, Prepare Him Room. It says, uh, you, uh, you know, uh, I want you tell some compelling stories, actually. You tell some compelling stories from scripture about uh, encountering Jesus. How do those uh, stories apply to us today and help us live with holy expectance? I love that. Mm. I love that too. And I love that chapter so much. And if you go to that chapter in the gospel of Luke, you know, the first story we see is when Jesus, oh my goodness, there's thunder. Can you hear the thunder? That's the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's up there cheering. That's right. Anyway, there's a story where, where the Jewish elders rush to Jesus and ask for help for a Roman soldier because his servant, whom he loves very much, is deathly ill, which is such an odd and amazing kind of predicament in a way because normally these two people groups were completely at odds. But obviously this Roman soldier had a heart for the Jewish people. He helped build their temple and he funded it on his own. It is just an amazing thing. First of all, I always say heaven knows who's who in the zoo. You know, the lines may seem blurred on earth, but heaven knows who's who. God knows who are his and those who have a heart bent towards him. And, and so these, these Jewish elders say, you've got to help him. He's, a, he's one of the good guys. And what's so amazing is this Roman soldier understood authority. And he also understood honor and humility. And so he said, you know, I'm under authority. I have authority. And I know that I'm not worthy of having you in my home. So I, like I see you probably in a way that others don't see you. Like he recognized God's majesty and his authority. And it was so powerful is that you could just say a word and it will be done. Well, you know, uh, James 4, 7, it says this. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I often hear that verse quoted out of context where people will say, hey, if the enemy's messing with you, just resist him and he has to flee. Well, that's not the case. You've got to take the full verse, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. And submit to God is actually a military term. And it means get back in rank. And like Watchman Nee once wrote that you can't have authority unless you are under authority. 
And how do we get out of authority, out of rank? Well, we usurp authority. We pick apart, you know, our pastor. We harbor unforgiveness or pride or all kinds of things. I mean, we kind of know when our hearts have departed. And when we do that, and, and you could, you know, I would love to hear your teaching on spiritual warfare, but the enemy is a legalist and we give him full access to yes. us when, when we are out of rank. That's and so cool. when we get back under ranks, when we're under authority, we suddenly have authority. And I always say that if you were to pull, peel the sky back, the cosmos back to see in the spiritual realm, you would see some Christians running for their lives because the enemy's roaring and intimidating them and others who are taking their stand, they're under authority, they're resisting the devil. The Bible says, then he flees. It means he runs for his life. So you see this other camp going, you don't get to bully me today and you don't get to bully me tomorrow. And you take your stand in faith in the authority of Christ and the enemy is running for his life. So back to the Roman soldier, he understood authority and he understood humility. And I think if you want to live a powerful kingdom life, you've got to understand both of those. Your place before God, a holy reverence before him, but your authority over the power of the enemy. So that's one story. And that his servant was healed. And the next one, that Jesus traveled to the village of Nain. And there was a, a widow, mother. It was the worst day of her life. She'd already lost her husband. And now this is the funeral procession for her son. And women were so vulnerable without men in that culture. Culture. And Jesus walks right into that story and resurrects that boy. It just is amazing. I'm, I'm picturing her dragging her feet in the dirt and dusty tra tra tear trails down her face, just guttural sobbing, going, my life is over. And Jesus comes in and resurrects that story. And these two stories really speak to me, Dr. Kazumba. One is what we talked about in the first show of the importance of contending, the importance of keeping in rank and knowing we, we are in a battle whether we like it or not, yeah. but also the understanding that God is full of surprises. Yes. And there's times we can't do anything but weep and mourn and drag our feet on the path of mourning. And he comes right there and he resurrects our story. So we can't lose hope because we serve a, a powerful God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just like the way you say it. Uh, you know, what's so, what's so interesting is uh, 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 I say that last week I mentioned that I came from, you know, like I was preaching when we did the first part uh, uh, at a conference in, um, in, in another part. It's about two hours away from us here. And I was teaching on uh, spiritual warfare. And uh, I mentioned actually what you just mentioned. First of all, you said that uh, you know, submit to God, then the devil, you know, you will resist the devil. You can't resist the devil if you're not in submission with God. And then uh, the devil won't flee from you if you don't uh, submit to God because you won't be able to resist him. So I love that part. And that is the key element to even spiritual warfare. But I like just, I just wanted to point out that uh, 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 particular point, as you mentioned uh, earlier. Now, I want to go to this question here in the book you tell a funny story about a christmas tree catastrophe uh, 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 <laughs> you learned an important lesson uh, from that experience can you tell us that story well you know i love that i was able to include that story because again i love christmas uh and i had this christmas fantasy of having 
one of the like you know you see the christmas commercials of the perfectly decorated house and the kids perfectly dressed and all getting along and everything just looks perfect and while i was you know struggling in my health and our finances were a wreck because of me and our medical debt my friends had their health and had their wealth and so they had Christmas seasons that look like that. So the contrast, it wasn't, it, it was a Christmas fantasy, I'll admit it, but it was like, I saw it in reality in my friends' lives. Like they had gorgeous decorated homes and they were healthy and all their cookies were the same size and you know, I mean, they were pulling it off. And I just kept thinking year after year, maybe this will be my year, but I, my struggle just went on for years. And I remember uh, one spring season, cause we had this little tiny pathetic Charlie Brown Christmas tree. It was just, pathetic really and one spring season our in-laws my in-laws gave us a beautiful full gorgeous uh, artificial tree for the next season so we came upon that christmas and i'm like this will be my year and i wow. just i know i mean i was starting to physically feel a little better not great but a little better and i thought this is going to be it and so my hubby was taking out the i had you know cookies in the oven we we had christmas music on in our little cassette player which dates me a little bit and uh, my hubby is out in the living room and our little boys are throwing up tinsel and i'm like it's happening and i looked out into the living room and you know there were pieces of tree all over the place and my husband has this sweet little kind of nuanced thing that he does when he feels like he's about to be in trouble he rubs his nose like and i see him looking and kind of i'm like oh you're rubbing your nose. What's the matter? And he said, well, it seems. And so for spring cleaning the previous season, he accidentally threw away half of or most of the good tree and half of the Charlie Brown tree. So we had neither. And he knew how much was riding on this ridiculous fantasy. You know, he just knew that I was like, had so much hope around this holiday. So he was like, don't worry, honey. He said, boys, get me my screw gun and get me the, you know, and he just starts giving all the, he's a construction guy. So he's, I'm like, what? And he's drilling holes and sawdust. And the boys went from singing Christmas songs to singing songs about sawdust. And our living room was a disaster. And, you know, I, 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 it was time to put the boys to bed. And I said, honey, we don't need a tree this year because it just was not looking good. I kissed <laughs> him on the top of the head and I said, I, you know, we're, we're good. We'll wait till next year. In the middle of the night, I woke up and he wasn't in bed. And I went out to the living room to see my husband sitting in a perfectly cleaned living room, sitting in front of a perfect medium-sized Christmas tree. And he was holding the control to the lights like they were a control to a race car. I came up behind him and he said, he said, I was gonna make it rotate, but I thought I should stop while I'm ahead. And, uh, Cause he's gonna make it turn. And I crawled in his lap and I, it was a God moment because I was overcome overcome with emotion i mm -hmm. and the lord just whispered to my heart your life feels like the scene you just saw wow a few hours ago but i have my eyes on the finished product and when i'm done it's going to be a beautiful story and you just wow. got to trust me and i wept and wept and wept and it really was it was not the christmas shallow commercialized fantasy mm -hmm. it was a kingdom moment where god said i am doing something and you just have to trust my timing in this and it gave me hope and faith um, which was a great gift. Wow, that, that is just so powerful. That, that story brings joy to me because, you know, like you've said, uh, most of the times we look at uh, the mess, the problem, the struggles that is going on around us, and yet God is saying, uh, wait until you see the finished product out of that mess. Powerful, powerful story. 
I'm going to go to this here on uh, day seven of the devotional book, Prepare Him Room. Uh, uh, you mentioned something very powerful. You say Christmas tends to bring out the entitlement in all of us. And you say, ask, don't demand. And you explore how on uh, one land Jesus invites us to ask and keep asking, but the posture is different than demanding. Can you unpack that for us? You know, I really love that, that particular Devo, that particular reading that day. And I, I paint a picture of, of the dis, one of the disciples, because the Bible says Jesus slipped off to pray often. I mean, you just try to imagine the fellowship that he had with his father. So I tried to create a scene like that, like what might that have looked like? And I, and I created a scene where the disciple, one of the disciples goes looking for him and stumbles upon Jesus on his knees, enjoying fellowship with the father, where his lips are turned up and he's receiving the strength he needs. And he's, he's just having a moment with his Abba, you know? And so the disciple steps forward to say, teach me to pray like, teach us to pray like that. And so they walk back together to join with the rest of the disciples. And this is where Jesus then teaches the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. And Jesus is teaching them in that chapter Keep asking, ask and keep asking, knock and keep knocking, because your faith and your audacious persistence really does matter. And it's something changes in us when we learn to keep contending and believing and trusting God. You know, we may have an outcome in mind, and oftentimes our outcome and our bullseye is so different than God's, right? But the idea of contending and pursuing and persisting, going, God, I know you hear me, and letting ourselves be changed in the process, we are strengthened. I keep thinking, Dr. Kazumba, if I would have been instantly healed, I would be the same insecure, fearful person because I had so many things tangled up with sickness because of past trauma. So my healing has been a process and I've needed it to be. So me contending and contending has made me strong in the word. I know him better. I, I know his word better. So this struggle has not been wasted on me. And I understand why he says, keep contending. But a little bit later, when there was a bigger crowd, and this always happens when the crowds get bigger, you know, this is why it always seems to me that Jesus was trying to thin the crowd and say things that purposely offended people. I know that wasn't his goal, but I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, I would have said that a little different. But uh, <laughs> there were times when he had these big crowds where you have in the crowd some who are hanging on every word, others who are seekers and want to check out what is he about, and others who are skeptics going, I'm going to find something he's going to say, and I'm going to build a case against him. Yes. And he had that kind of mixture in the crowd that he was addressing after this time with the disciples. And in so many words, you know, there were people there going, show us a sign. You know, I'll decide if I'm going to believe you. Prove to me. Like as if they're up here and Jesus is down here. And if he jumps high enough, they'll accept him. Well, he's not in that position. He's the star-breathing God. He's the king of the universe. In the beginning was the word. And the word was God and was with God and became flesh and dwelt among us. We can't even imagine the gift Jesus has given us by putting up with us so he could save us. I mean, I marvel when I think that he came to earth for us. So the difference between asking and persisting, because Jesus invited us, ask and keep asking, yet he was put off by that demand, show me a sign, is coming from two different postures. And you know, if you any, watch any kind of movie where you see a spoiled child and a humble, broken child, you're always rooting 
for the broken child. And you're always wanting that spoiled child to be put in a timeout or, you know, get disciplined somehow. Yes. And entitlement never looks good on any of us. And yet, because God is good, and the Bible says he's good to the righteous and the wicked, you know, we all get belly laughs and lemonade stands. And, you know, we all are recipients of his goodness, one gift after the other. And because of his goodness, we make a lot of assumptions about what he owes us, what we should have coming to us. And I just think it's so important to, to always stay humble with our expectancy. You know, he loves boldness but not without humility. And, but boldness with humility is absolutely irresistible to him. Wow, boldness with humility is irresistible to God. I love that. That is uh, so, so powerful. Oh my goodness. Now, you know, you, you talk a lot about, um, you know, we, we've, we've talked about prepare him room. We've talked about uh, contending uh, 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 and you've been contending, you know, also just in your personal life as you've shared that with us, uh, just your healing. We all have something that we're contending for. And I, I just want to assure you that uh, the Lord who has, who has uh, you know, uh, watched over you all these years is going to keep on watching over you and give you that victory and healing, uh, 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 woman of God. We believe that you've got so much to offer to the nations. You've got so much to offer uh, uh, to many people around the world, as well as to our millions of viewers that are listening to you. You know, it's an honor for me to just have you on this program with everything that you go through or you've gone through, you are able to dedicate your time to inspire millions of people from around the world. There are people listening to us on radio. There are people listening to us here in Canada, in the United States, in all over Africa there. But they did not know what you go through. And yet all you give us is the substance of the word of God because of your devotion to the word of God. So I just wanted to mention that. And I'm so thankful for you. Now, let me go to this question here because uh, it ties into just what I said. You are a prevailing. Not only do you teach people or try to help people to understand, you know, to prevail in their lives, you, are, you also have prevailed on many levels. Now, how does this message of prepare him room uh, 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 of preparation connect to your previous book, Prevail? Yeah, and I think that was the one you and I maybe had talked about before, right? It was yes, that before or two shows, I think two shows back. Yes. Yes, yes. And prevail means uh, to prove more powerful than your opponent and to be the last one standing. So what I did is I walked from Genesis to Revelation and looked for opportunities and evidences to flourish and stand strong. So opportunities where maybe they got it wrong and we can learn from them or evidences where they got it right and we can learn from them. And I kind of like that you can put these two books together because you can close out the year of Advent uh, immersing yourself in the Gospel of Luke and really reacquainting yourself with the Jesus who came to earth and who's coming again. And then enter the next year and dig into scripture, you know, start to finish. And people have called that book, it's pretty thick, this devotional prevail, a, a mini commentary. Because I, I don't like fluff and I can tell you don't like fluff either. No. I want to hit hard and I want to go, you know, for the substance. And so yeah. they're short readings, but they, are, I think, are pretty substantial. And my prayer and my desire is 
in this Advent season to create a holy awe, wonder, and expectancy, and then step into the next year, you know, as believers who are shored up by the word of God, that know who we are and whose we are. You know, one of the things that I think uh, is hard, I think, for the watching world and, and why Christians are so opposed is there's so few that uh, Christians that are maturing that are yeah, growing sure. up. And I always say, you know, a baby Christian is adorable. An immature Christian, not so much. And yet we stay immature if we don't learn from our battles, if we yeah, don't sure. get to know the God of scriptures, mm -hmm. if we don't read the word, if we're not correctable and trainable and teachable. Yes. Because you, it was Francis Frangipane is a pastor author who's retired now, but he said, we cannot grow beyond our ability to receive correction. Mm -hmm. And that's just true. I think if you want to be all that God wants you to be, you've got to be teachable and yes. to be receptive. And, and I think nothing, nothing teaches us better than the word of God and the Holy Spirit with us as we read. So I like the idea of putting these two together. And I hope that that would be an equipping combination for many. And that is, a, that is the word for this Christmas, contained, prevail. Contained prevail. We prevail because of the Son of God that was given to us. I want to go to these two questions before we, you know, we we, we go here. Uh, uh, how can we be expectant? You talked about expectancy. I was going to come back to this question here. How can we be more expectant for God to move in our midst, especially in this uh, uh, Advent season? That's such a good question. I would say that we start by being so grateful that we just look around and we start to count our blessings. I know that sounds absolutely cliche, but that we just recover awe where we start to, we pause and we notice a sunrise or a sunset, or we behold an orchid, or we, we enjoy a baby's laughter. You know, there's a, a neuroscience counselor that I've had on my show a number of times, Dr. Kurt Thompson. He's brilliant. And he's got a book titled The Soul of Desire. And one of the things that he says, it's, and I've been giving this assignment to the women that I mentor, three things that you can do that will help the world flourish, that'll help you heal. And I think this could help you maybe recover some expectancy. But the first thing he says is, every day put yourself in the path of beauty. Every day. And I love that. Which, In other words, stay you know still before a sunrise you know or notice a painting or read something you know but every day behold beauty and let it do something for your soul and then he said secondly every week create something maybe write a song or a poem or bake some cookies but do something that that calls you to create because you are an heir of god made in the image of god and he's the ultimate creator and then he says every week share your gifts with someone else so maybe bake those cookies and then give them to your neighbor or write you know some thoughts from scripture and share them with a friend. But when you start to become attentive to the beauty of God, what he's done around you, and then you start to become a flow through account of his creation. I don't know, I think that might be something. I just felt led to, to share that because it may be helpful for someone to recover some sense of awe. If you can daily put yourself in the path of beauty of God's creation and go, wow, my maker is magnificent and start to be grateful for the things that if they were gone tomorrow, you would miss them. So note them that they're gifts today. And I think first you just got to know how rich you are. And once you know how rich you are in Christ Jesus, you can know that you serve an amazing God. And then you ask him, put desires in my heart. Do the impossible in and through me. What do you want me to believe you for? And that's where to me expectancy and hope and anticipation 
make a comeback. And one last thing I'll say about that, Dr. Kazumba, is I, mm -hmm. I've studied some brain, brain science because of some of the stuff. That, one of the things that happened with this relapse was mold attacked my brain. And it created a lot of inflammation in my brain. And it's been, so I've, I've just learned a lot about brain science. Cause I'm like, I gotta do some workarounds here because I've got some issues with that. And uh, what's so fascinating to me is when you are bracing for impact, when yes. you are living in fear, things just shut down in your system, your cells even shut down. So you don't even get the nourishment from food that you would normally. But when you walk in love, when you have a holy anticipation that goodness is coming, your cells open up, you're more nourished by food, your IQ goes up, your capacity to learn goes up. We are made for love and we are made for holy expectancy. So I'm just saying that while the rest of the world is obsessing over the bad news, you got to remember that the good news is the best news of all. You know, that when Jesus came to earth, you know, the kingdom of God came to earth. And Christmas isn't just a quaint little story. It's God's kingdom coming to earth. And mm -hmm. I just think it's up to us as Christians to steward our perspective in a way that keeps us in awe. Amen. Amen. Uh, what do you hope readers will come away with after reading Prepare Him Room? Just what I said, you know, uh, that they would walk in a new level of holy expectancy uh, of the goodness of God. And the reality is that he is active right here. If you could see the cosmos right now, you would see angels rushing to and fro because God's people are praying. And again, some are hunkering down, just trying to bide their time till Jesus returns. And others are like, you're going to find faith in me. When you search the world over, you're going to find faith in me. That is my prayer. So people would just come alive to their heir status in Christ Jesus. Great woman of God, thank you for coming on Unstoppable Faith. We appreciate you so much. Thanks for having me. And to our viewers, this has been one of the most uh, powerful, powerful uh, 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 program that I've had on Christmas period. The two episodes we've done with uh, Suzanne, Susie Larson, oh my goodness, so powerful, so enriching, so uplifting. And uh, I pray that you will allow the Holy Spirit to prepare you and to make you prepare him room to do what God desires to do. I encourage you to pick up the book of uh, Susie Larson. You can see the information on the screen right now. This is a very powerful woman of God and you will be blessed. Let this Christmas be a season where you're going to reflect and to make more room for the presence and the power of God to touch your life. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord watch over you. Until then, shalom, shalom. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Thank you for tuning in to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. If this program has been a blessing to you, write to us at life at kazumbacharles.com and share your testimony.